Vadim Dashko had everything he'd dreamed for as a kid. He had a wife and a home. He owned a cell phone accessory business with stores in multiple locations in Ukraine. He was making $7,000 a month. Still, he felt a gnawing emptiness in his life. He felt this especially when he interacted and hung out with the staff of Hope Ukraine, a branch of the Christian nonprofit organization Hope International. I was really surprised why these people want to meet, why they want to drink coffee, why they ask some questions. Uh, those questions challenged me, actually. From his days roaming the streets of Ukraine until now, Vadim had never known people like this. So I was thinking, well, how come these people have such love and uh, kindness? I'm Chris. And I'm Christy. We're two college students sharing the stories of overcomers around the globe who love God and love others. On today's episode, we'll learn about what it means to address holistic poverty in a Christ-centered way. We'll hear Vadim's story of how he overcame economic poverty through the help of Hope Ukraine's microfinance work. And we'll also hear about how Vadim emerged from spiritual poverty by coming to know Jesus Christ. This is about a man who discovers eternal riches. This is about a God turning brokenness into abundance. This is Two Coins. Vadim has light brown hair and a strong jaw. In a photo from Hope International's website, he wears jeans and a camo shirt. Behind him is his store stand, with clear shelves containing hundreds of brightly colored phone cases. In an interview with Simple Charity founder Brian Grasso, Vadim spoke in Ukrainian with a translator. So my name is Vadim Dashko. I am 32 years old. I was born in Russia. I was born in Russia, in a city called Omsk. Vadim's father was abusive to his mother. The family also struggled financially. My parents had difficulties uh, with uh, finances and we had to move often. My father died. Uh, he was killed actually when I, when I was nine months old. And then we moved to Ukraine when I was seven years old. In Ukraine, Vadim and his older sister Julia grew up in an environment that was both physically and emotionally impoverished. My mom used to drink a lot. Uh, she had challenges with alcohol mm. and she wasn't really uh, parenting us well. So myself and sister, we grew up on the streets, as we say. So my childhood was interesting and busy. I had to ask for food. I had to figure out how to survive. But at the same time, I became independent. When Vadim was around 22, he started looking for capital in a location where he could start his business. Well, uh, someone came to me and said that he was selling his business. It was very small, like two square meters. In a, oh, wow. in a mall, in a small a mall. And he says, oh, this business will cost you only $500. I'll sell it to you. Vadim didn't have the $500 at the time, so he made a different offer. Uh, I told him that I don't have the money, 
but if he gives me his business for three months, then uh, I'll make money and give back to him. The man took the deal, giving Vadim three months to repay the money. So during these three months, I found I didn't have any merchandise, any goods to sell, but I found those companies that would give me the goods and uh, then wait for the money to be paid later. And I began to make some money. And uh, that's how I gave him his money back. But Vadim didn't want to settle for one small shop in the mall. As he looked for ways to gain new capital, he heard about Hope Ukraine from one of their clients. Hope Ukraine is part of Hope International, which is a Christian nonprofit that works to break cycles of poverty by providing people with loans, saving services, and Christ-centered discipleship. Vadim learned about Hope Ukraine's programs to provide loans to small business entrepreneurs. And in 2014, with the help of Hope's loans, he was actually able to open businesses in five other locations and to hire multiple employees. Since that day, his business has prospered. So initially, my income was $200 from this one location per month. Right now, my business brings me $7,000. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. So Hope Ukraine's microfinance programs were really instrumental in helping Vadim overcome poverty. But what even is microfinance? To be honest, I didn't know much about microfinance before making this episode. But my co-host Christy has done some digging. Let's hear what she's learned in this week's Crash Course. So first I was wondering what a microfinance institution actually is. I'm not super familiar with the topic. Um, so what I did, I looked it up on Hope International's website. They described microfinance institutions as banks designed to help serve entrepreneurs in poverty by providing loans, a safe place to save, and other financial services to help men and women invest in their businesses and also provide for their families. So could you elaborate a little bit more on what that means? You know, how does that play out in practice? A lot of people live in areas where they don't have access to a bank. So if someone needs a loan for perhaps entrepreneurship, a family emergency, um, they may not have access to that loan. And even if they did have access, it would be a problem because many people don't have the assets to get a loan. So instead of offering loans that require physical collateral, microfinance institutions actually replace that collateral with a type of social collateral. What's social collateral? So social collateral would mean that a certain number of people join together to ensure that together they could pay back that loan. So perhaps this would be a group of about 15 to 45 people or even a smaller group of about five to 15 people. So what's the difference between a microfinance institution and sort of just a typical bank? So a big distinction here is that a loan in a microfinance institution can be a good bit smaller than in a typical bank. This helps people make sure that they can pay back the loan, um, but they have enough money that they need. I did some research and found out that about 1.7 billion people globally are unbanked. That's huge. And I mean, just the fact of being unbanked, like to consider that aspect. And, you know, I don't have a whole lot of money saved in my bank account, but still, it's nice to know that I have like a store of funds. And, you know, without that bank, it's like, it's so difficult to be able to actually save any money, which is such a crucial way of being able to escape poverty and, and be able to store and save for a future. You know, I've also heard that a microfinance savings group programs are also really important. Have you found anything about that in your research? Yeah, I also found that information on Hope International's website. 
So savings groups programs are groups of individuals who save their money together in partnership with the local church. And then as they build a secure sum of money, the members can take out loans from the group to pay for household expenses or invest in businesses. Um, so this could really help if a family runs into unexpected expenses, such as a medical issue, a lack of food, a family emergency, or anything else similar to that. And so once they have these loans, how do they then put that to use? Yeah, so I found some specific examples of how entrepreneurs may need to use this money. Perhaps they would need to purchase items like a sewing machine, a car to transport produce to a market, um, or maybe they would need nutritious feed for animals, or even a market stall for selling goods. And they could also use the money to help pay for more employees. Okay, that's interesting. And I'm thinking of Vadim's story and how finding that capital initially is so crucial in, in having that loan from Hope International to be able to start that business. And you know, once he was able to start it, then it was generating profit and all that. But it was difficult without having a loan in the first place to be able to even get that off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was actually wondering um, if these loans work like that for everyone. And is everyone's business successful right after they get the loan? And I did a bit of research and realized that microfinance can actually be a bit controversial. Um, there are two problems that people run into. First of all, a lot of people actually thought that microfinance was kind of like the magic bullet. It would completely eliminate poverty. And that was truly never the goal of microfinance to completely end poverty. So if people had really, really super high expectations, then perhaps that was just initially a problem. Another issue would have been that several microfinance groups were actually for profit. So rather than trying to help the people who were getting the loans, they were looking solely to make money for themselves. Oh, okay. Right, that makes sense. What's the kind of demographics of people who receive these loans? Actually, it's quite encouraging. Many women get these loans. Hope International actually gives more loans to women than they do to men. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, they're not biased in the process, but it tends to work out that way. And I also wanted to mention this other program that I heard about called Microfinance Plus. It's through Hope International. It combines microfinance loans with other investments in human capital, such as education, health, and spiritual growth. Yeah, I think that makes sense on an intuitive level, you know, because even if you provide people with the money they need, if they don't have the education or the safety, or even from a Christian standpoint, the relationship with God that they need, then it's going to be deficient. So do you have any statistics on how often these loans are repaid? Yeah, so from Hope International, 97.5% of people are able to repay their loans. And oh, I just, wow. yeah, that's, that's so crazy. insane. Um, made me so excited. Hope Ukraine helped Vadim expand his business. But they didn't stop there. They also wanted him to come to know Christ. The Ukraine Vadim grew up in had only recently achieved independence from the Soviet Union. That happened in 1991. While under Soviet rule, Ukraine had been very repressive towards religion. But once it became independent, the Ukrainian government granted way more religious freedom, allowing God's word to spread across the country. Was your family Christian? Well, I grew up uh, in a family yeah, that my mom used to call herself a Christian, but it was more nominal. As Vadim spent time with the Hope Ukraine staff, he noticed something fishy about them. They were just way too joyful. I uh, thought, well, how come they're so positive? They have this great 
some, something inside, uh, something that I don't see. I was curious. I thought, well, maybe they want to get me into some troubles, please. <laughs> the staff invited Vadim to church, and eventually he went. And uh, I understood that these people have something that I didn't have. And then this too, that I also would like to have same love. I also would like to be like them. So ultimately, uh, I heard and understood that the source of this love is Christ. If this Jesus could fill people with such love and joy, Vadim decided he wanted to get to know him. In 2016, he committed his life to Christ. So when I learned that Christ is the true God and that he died for me at the cross, yeah, the puzzles came all together. Before Vadim became a Christian, he had been living in spiritual poverty. But now he saw Jesus work powerfully in his life filling him with Christ-centered abundance. First of all, uh, the fear has gone. I, all my life I had fear, then it just disappeared. His priorities began to change. Before knowing Christ, Vadim's biggest concern was his business, his work. He worked so hard with his business that he often neglected time with his wife. my uh, my wife has always been asking questions why I'm always at work, why I don't pay enough attention to her. And she always said, I don't, didn't need your money, I need your time, your attention. Money had become an idol in Vadim's life. But as he began to worship Jesus Christ, he discovered that there is only one thing worth living for. Through hearing God's word, through reading his word, I understood that the main thing in life is Jesus Christ. With Christ at the center of his life, Vadim began to change how he approached every aspect of his life, the rhythms of work and rest, family and business. As my priorities changed, then on Sunday after church, I, I didn't, didn't run to my stores to see how business is going, but I went home and shared about Jesus with my wife. As he worked less and devoted more time to God and to others, he experienced an unintended consequence. And even though I paid less attention to my business, but more attention to studying God's word and to my family, my business began to be even better. And uh, when the priorities were set right, I figured out that I don't need to spend as much time to secondary things. Uh, at that time, I was really happy and full of joy. I felt like I was flying. I really resonate with what Vadim says about shifting his priorities to focus more on Christ than on his work. One of my recurring tendencies is to really place more emphasis on work. Take my freshman fall semester at Duke, for instance. I threw myself into tons of activities, trying to succeed in classes and extracurriculars and my social life, pushing myself to meet tons of new people. All of these were really good and fulfilling things, but even the best things can take the place of God in your heart. And that's what I realized is that as I was devoting myself to these things, 
My schedule became so crowded that the first thing I would often drop was my relationship and time with the Lord. And so eventually I became very spiritually apathetic and just feeling dry and barren in my life. And that's where I really started to refocus, just like Vadim reoriented his life and shifted his priorities to make Christ the center. That's what God was also doing in my heart. But knowing Jesus also makes us outward focused. As Vadim centered his life around Christ, he felt compelled to begin sharing God's love with others. Now he joins Hope Ukraine staff as they travel across the country to share about God. As part of the team, I go with uh, to other places in Ukraine and share God's word. Sharing God's word is at the heart of Hope Ukraine's mission. The first impact that Hope Ukraine has is spiritual, even though it's not seen right away. What's seen is the financial uh, loans, but then always comes the spiritual side of it. I love that Hope Ukraine takes a holistic approach to poverty. They recognize that poverty can take many forms, economic, relational, and spiritual. And even as they provide microfinance loans, Hope Ukraine keeps on pointing people to Jesus Christ as the ultimate hope. So now we're going to take a step back from Vadim's story and dive into the concepts of holistic poverty and Christ-centered poverty alleviation. Joining us today is Familiar Two Coins guest, Dr. Brian Fickert, professor of economics and community development at Covenant College, author of Becoming Whole, which is one of my favorite books, by the way, and co-author of the best-selling book, When Helping Hurts. I started off by asking Dr. Fickert about what holistic poverty is from a biblical perspective. It really comes down to what is a human being or what is human flourishing. My training is as an economist, and my specialty is poverty. But the reality of it is, I don't really embrace the notions that my own discipline has about what poverty is, because my discipline basically says poverty is a lack of uh, material things, and so unpoverty or human flourishing is more material things. But the reality of it is, you know, Western civilization has all kinds of material things and, quite frankly, isn't flourishing. Uh, anxiety and depression amongst college-age young people in America has been increasing from the 1930s to the present. And so we've got this trajectory of more and more and more stuff, and our bodies and our souls seem to be screaming out and saying, I'm not wired for this. I am wired for something different. You're trying to force me to be this hyper-individualistic, materialistic creature. I'm not wired for that thing. I'm wired for something else. So what is that something else? Well, it comes down to this. The human being is a highly integrated body-soul relational blob. And, and, and so flourishing is to be that. Flourishing is to be that highly integrated body-soul relational creature. And so for me, poverty it, in its fullest sense is simply a lack of ability to be that thing, a lack of ability to be what God has created to be. So it's very holistic. It's physical, it's spiritual, and it's relational. Now, for some of us, that brokenness bubbles up in what we call material poverty, a lack of ability to support ourselves through our own work. And that's a particularly horrendous manifestation of broken humanness but there's other manifestations of it as well. You know, Mother Teresa is famous for having said the worst kind of poverty she's ever seen is the poverty of the West, of loneliness. 
Yeah, I love that you describe poverty in that way because basically all of our episodes are in one way or another dealing with that relational brokenness that you described. So I'm really curious, how does Christ-centered poverty alleviation actually work? And more specifically, how does poverty alleviation connect to the worship of God? Oh my word, great question. Well, fundamentally human beings move in the direction of whatever they are worshiping. And and so at the end of the day, we need to ask ourselves, have our poverty alleviation ministries and programs been designed in such a way that at the end of the day, people are raising their hands in worship of the triune God and saying, this is where hope is, this is where healing is, this is where meaning is found. Because if we're not pointing people to the triune God, we're actually leaving them to continue to become something other than what God has created them to be. And so, by the way, this is not, (laughs) these are not my great insights. I'm just, I'm standing on the shoulders. I'm six foot 10, by the way. I don't want to, (laughs) you don't want me on your shoulders because I'd crush you. But but I am figuratively uh, on the shoulders of many other people. Uh, Brian Myers in his marvelous book, Walking with the Poor, uh, talks about this. And of course, uh, these ideas go all the way back to scripture. We become what we worship, so worship is central to humanness. This results in some interesting conclusions. If worship is central to poverty alleviation, then what we're saying is that being in worship is central. Being in the presence of God is central to humanness. This is what Adam and Eve were wired for. They actually dwelt in the garden temple. We are wired to be in God's presence. Well, where is God found? Well, there's a sense in which God is everywhere, of course, but his presence is most keenly felt in the local church. The Bible actually teaches that God dwells in the local church. And so when the word of God is preached, and even when just the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism are being administered, Christ is being presented to us, and there's real healing, there's real hope for the whole person in that. That was great. Thank you for that. It's interesting because this episode is about Hope International and their mission is sort of both of those things. Addressing the worship of God is their fundamental purpose, but then they're also seeking to help people achieve economic dignity. So I'm really interested in the idea of microfinance and and how that plays into the whole picture. I love that. So I love microfinance and and I love Hope International. And um, the Chalmers Center that where I work at, uh, works very closely with Hope uh, all over the world. And so a huge fan and have a number of former students working for Hope as well. And so uh, three cheers for Hope. Christ ministers to the whole person. He ministers to the whole person, body and soul. And so, uh, you know, Jesus, it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, that Jesus says he, he came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. That's why he was sent. Well, how did Jesus do that? When he encountered the leper, when he encountered the lame, when he encountered the blind, he communicated the good news of his kingdom, but he didn't leave his hands in his pockets. I'm not sure if he had pockets in his robe, uh, but he, he pulled his hands out of his pocket and he touched the blind, he touched the lame, he touched the leper. Christ communicates the reality of his kingdom in words and in deeds. It's whole person, word and deed kind of ministry. And I think hope does that very well. They understand that, that as we are drawn into worship, our relationship with God affects all aspects of our being, but they also touch the body through microfinance, touching the body directly, but it also affects people spiritually and relationally. It's all intertwined. 
part of the reason I like Hope's work so much is because it's restorative of work. We're created for four key relationships, God, self, others, and the rest of creation. And one of our, one of the ways we relate to creation is through work. It's interesting in economics, work is a necessary evil. In fact, uh, work is, is a negative. Leisure is good and work is bad. So, so kind of good life in my discipline is consume more and do it at the beach. Consume more on the beach. And I got to tell you today, that's looking pretty good to me, to be honest with you. All right? but, but, but work is a necessary evil in my discipline that you engage in so that you can buy more stuff. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we're wired for a relationship with creation. And part of that is to be able to work and support ourselves with the fruits of our hands. And that's what Hope is trying to do in microfinance, is trying to restore people to be able to work, because that's where flourishing comes from. That's where image bearing comes from. It's being able to be reflective of our creator, who himself worked and created, and then sat back and enjoyed the fruits of it and said, ah, oh, it's good. That's what our goal is in microfinance, have people be able to work at the end of the day and say, ah, oh, look at what God and I created together here. That's the goal. I love that. I want to go do that. Yeah, I love that too. I love how you connected it back to like God actually doing work because even though he rested on the seventh day, he also worked and made all of creation before that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all those answers. It's always great to have you, Dr. Fickert. I really appreciate it. Thank you for what you guys are doing. It's very encouraging to me. I really enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Fickert. Now, Brian Christie and I are going to continue that conversation in today's 3 a.m. Theology. So when I heard that Simple Charity was addressing poverty, I did not really know that we were going to be talking about menstrual cups or about gender violence or about burn hospitals. So yeah. I had this idea of poverty that was solely wealth. Yeah. And the obsession with economic wealth, I think, can perpetuate poverty in other areas. Because huh. I think there can be, I see this in my own life, if I'm so obsessed with getting a career or finding material wealth, that can lead me to devalue the relationships in my life or my spiritual health. You know, also in Vadim's story and seeing how he found economic wealth. And, and I think that's a good thing to get money. But the problem was that that was coming at the cost of his family relationships and his spiritual health. You know, Dr. Ficker said in our interview that, you know, poverty alleviation at the core is about returning to the worship of the true God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I like that you said there's nothing wrong with Vadim making money. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, and I forget who said this, maybe Martin Luther, what we so often do as Christians is we fall off our horse and we get back on only to fall off on the other side. I think it's pretty clear that in America, culturally, we really struggle with consumerism. <laughs> but on the other side, you know, that doesn't mean that buying and selling things is bad and we shouldn't fall off the other side of the horse. And I think if you want to have a healthy biblical view of money, just read, read through the Proverbs and you learn about the value of working hard and how God rewards the one who works hard and he provides so that his, his children can eat. And, you know, he has all he needs like this. It says, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches, not poverty so that I'm tempted to steal from others, but also not riches so that I'm tempted to forget about my need for, for you, God. This is semi-related, 
and <laughs> I'm going to be like pulling together my thoughts. So I may say this twice. That's all right. Um, there's this joke in America that, you know, sometimes people will say like, oh, you need Jesus, you know, because I think that like Jesus is central, right? But mm-hmm. people that don't understand Jesus, they think of that as a massive joke. Yeah. I kind of think of that as like the West. We're kind of like pointing at sometimes people and being like, oh, you need materialism, you know? <laughs> like, no, they might need money, right? I'm not, I'm not denying that. Mm, yes. They might need yes. some help through wealth, but they don't need money to be their number one. I mean, I think that's a really good point. I both building off what you said, Christy, and what Brian said about how, you know, money is important. How cruel would it be if I went to someone who was physically impoverished and said, you know, I'm going to share with you about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how this can bring you spiritual riches, but then not give out of my abundance and help them find economic security. In 1 John, it talks about how loving God and loving others, the way we manifest that is by showing care to those in need. You know, it's not about picking one aspect at the expense of all the others. It's about approaching poverty in a holistic way. Because what are the stories that we're telling about these people? Is it a one-dimensional story where it's because you don't have the economic wealth we have, therefore you're inferior or or you don't have wealth in other ways, in abundance? Totally. Hope Ukraine embodies the vision of helping people overcome holistic poverty. They help people recover their dignity by providing them with capital and resources. But really, the core of their work is discipleship. It's helping people enter into and grow in their relationship with the Lord. That's why when they recognized that Vadim was materially well-off but spiritually impoverished, they pointed him to Jesus. But they didn't stop there. They also reached out to his mother. Yeah, my mom, she she used to drink a lot. And uh, it was hard getting along with her. She would visit us as a family, sometimes drunk, and it was hard. Vadim says his mother's alcohol addiction prevented her from finding or keeping a steady job. It trapped her in economic and spiritual poverty. He tried to share God's word with her and he even confronted her about her eternal future. So I came to her once and I said, well, you're going to die soon because she had uh, serious health problems with her mm. liver. And then I said, well, the main thing, though, the main question is where you're going to spend your eternity. And once she came to our home and said that she wanted to accept Jesus. But she said, I I can't really get rid of my uh, addictions. So I didn't have an answer for her. I just didn't know. Vadim felt helpless. He had no idea how to help his mother change on his own. So he turned to the people he knew he could trust, the Hope Ukraine staff. They invited Vadim's mother over to their home. So they invited my mom. When they came, they said, well, just let her come. She was drinking that day. When the day she was going to come, she was drinking. I was so ashamed. So I came to Pastor that that came from Hope Ukraine, and I told him, well, my mom is drunk. But the guy said, well, it doesn't matter. 
if she wants to come, let her come. And then she was treated very differently. First time, probably. Uh, even though she was a bit drunk, she was treated with dignity and love. She was accepted the way she was. I didn't understand then, but I understand it now. That's the way Jesus treats people. That's why I position Hope Ukraine as a company that is ready and willing to stretch helping hands to anybody. Hope Ukraine helps people discover true meaning and purpose in someone who is worthy of worship. It's this hope that has begun to transform Vadim's mother. It's this hope that has changed Vadim, transforming his approach to business and to family. And it's this hope that has led Vadim to the pearl of great price. As I was looking for uh, success in business, you know, the money that would help me to develop my business, you know, something visible, I found uh, that, but I found much more. I found salvation in Jesus. If hearing Vadim's story was impactful for you, I want to invite you to donate to Hope International. Your giving will enable them to provide loans, saving services, and most importantly, the love of Christ to people around the world like Vadim. An easy way to give is through our donate page on simplecharity.org, which we've linked on our podcast page. And if you enjoyed hearing the story of Vadim and Hope Ukraine, we'd love for you to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute, but it has a massive impact on bringing two coins to more listeners. Before we close, I want to thank the people who made this episode possible. Vadim Dashko and his translator, Max Olifrovsky, the Hope Ukraine and Hope International staff, Dr. Brian Fickert, Brian Grasso, and of course, Angela Tofik, our wonderful audio engineer and illustrator. I'm Chris. And I'm Christy. That's it for today. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll hear the story of Morris Kabiria, a police officer who finds himself imprisoned in a Kenyan jail for a crime he never committed.